move considering 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10 this morning. This is the word of the Lord, church. Please give it your full attention. Boasting is necessary, though it is not beneficial. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up in the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. In behalf of such a man I will boast, but in my own behalf I will not boast. Except regarding my weaknesses, for I do not wish to boast. If boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth, but I will refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the extraordinary greatness of revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distress, in persecutions, difficulties, and on behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. May God have blessed him to the reading of his word. Saints, you may be seated. One theologian has said the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Again, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. That is to say, church, God will answer, or rather God will not answer, uh, 100% of the prayers that you do not pray. If you desire something, congregation, then pray. If you want something to change in your life, then pray. If you need God's help in whatever circumstance you find yourself in, then pray. Because church, if you don't know by now, we serve a God who answers prayer. God answers the prayers of his children. But as much as we amen that statement, and as much as we hallelujah that statement, as much as we head nod art that statement, saints of God, what happens when God doesn't answer your prayers? What happens when you find yourself in a situation that keeps you on your knees in prayer? What happens when you pray all night and you get no results? What happens when you wake up praying, when you're at work, you're praying, midday, you're praying, you go to sleep praying? What happens, saints of God, when your praying turns into days and days into weeks and weeks turn into months and God is still silent? It's frustrating. Is it not, church? It's frustrating. Unanswered prayer makes it hard for us to live at times. It makes us feel alone, does it not? It makes us feel like 
We are not children of God because if he is my heavenly father, I'm asking him for something. Ought he give it to me? Unanswered prayer makes us hard to sing those words of that great hymn when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul. Unanswered prayer, though, makes us hard to say that. Unanswered prayer confuses us because we read in the word of God such verses like Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. It makes us hard because we read words in James 4. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Have you ever had faith, prayed, but didn't receive? Church, have you ever asked rightly? I'm talking about use all of the theological language you can use. You quoted all the scripture you can quote to God and never got the answer you were looking for. I know and hear, or rather I don't know and hear, who can say yes to those questions. Uh, but saints of God, today we meet a man who, if he was sitting front row and heard those questions that I was telling him, can wholeheartedly say, yes, preacher, I've prayed with some faith. Today we meet a man who says, I've prayed rightly. In fact, I have pleaded with the Lord. In fact, I've prayed three times. And the Lord said no. In the pages of Holy Scripture, no man outside of the God-man, Jesus Christ, is more revered, more modeled their life after, held in higher esteem than the great Apostle Paul, a Jew by birth, a Roman by citizenship, a tent maker by trade, a lawyer by profession, a Pharisee by religious upbringing, and a Christian because of what happened to him on the Damascus Road. St. Paul, for many of us, is one who we like to read because like like David, Paul knows what it means to be a Christian. Paul knows what it means to inwardly battle with sin. Paul knows what it means to live with some trouble. Paul knows not only the highs of being a Christian, but also Paul knows the lows of being a Christian. That church is a situation we find St. Paul in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 presents to us not the highly theological Paul that we're used to reading. Chapter 12 presents to us not the heroic Paul that we see in Acts on Mars Hill. Chapter 12 doesn't present to us the pastoral care and love that we see in many of Paul's writings. No, no, no. Actually, saints of God, chapter 12 presents to us the human side of Paul. In fact, we can even say that chapter 12 presents to us the hurting side of Paul. But before we get to Paul's pain, Paul presents to us a story. 
He says in verses 1 through 12, boasting is necessary. Though it has not beneficial, he says, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body do not know, out of the body do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Much can be said about the details of this verse. Who is Paul referring to? What is the third heaven? What exactly did Paul hear? What did he see? I don't want us to be distracted from the main point of the sermon. We can talk after and, and, and try to debate all those things. But, but let me just say this. St. Paul here is giving a brief summary of his own life. He's given a brief summary of what happened to him over 14 years ago. He says, I know a man. Which is an indirect way of Paul referring to himself. He says, 14 years ago, I know a man who was caught up in the third heaven and he heard some things. The third heaven. Think about this church. For 14 years. For 14 years. Not five, not ten, fourteen years. St. Paul has been keeping this spiritual rapture a secret. For fourteen years. What happened to Paul? He's been keeping it under wraps. It's hard for us to believe because if we ever had such experience, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram would know it within seconds. Paul says, I've been keeping this to myself for 14 years. Saints of God. Paul kept this a secret. Why? Because Paul. Knew. Paul was aware that there was something about him. That was a weakness. That there was something about him. That was a weakness. In fact we can say. St. Paul's weakness. Is the very downfall of Satan. And Adam in the garden. Which is a sin of pride. Paul had a little pride issue. He, had, he, he was a little or could be a little big headed. Paul knew that having such heavenly rapture experience. It would make one prideful. I mean, men in our theological circles, some men rather. Have a lot of pride because they went to this school and that school. And Paul's saying, you might have went to Westminster Theological Seminary, that's good. You might have went to the greatest school in the world to learn the Bible, that's great, but I actually went to heaven. The third heaven, into the very presence of the Lord. Having such experience would make one boastful. And what we learn from this church is a point that we must consider strongly. Is that we got to know our weaknesses. You got to know your weaknesses. You got to know where you're weak at. You got to know your blind spots. We have to be familiar with what doesn't make us look like Jesus Christ. If you know your weakness is talking too much, then learn how to be quiet. If you're a hot-headed individual, learn how to take a deep breath. 
If you like to be by yourself, step out of your comfort zone. Here, St. Paul says, I know my weaknesses. I'm quite familiar with my weaknesses. So he says in verse 7, because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations for this reason, for this reason, saints of God, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. This verse, saints, teaches us something about the Christian life that we may not like. Oh, this is hard for us to read. And that is God will not let you get so high without giving you some weaknesses to keep you low. God will not give you some ecstasy of life without also bringing with it the pain of life. In other words, God will not bless you without also giving you something to keep you grounded. Because, church, the blessings of God and the problems of life They're a package deal. There is no glory in life without some grief in life. And how low, how low did God bring the Apostle Paul? He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. That's how low. How did God keep this man grounded? There was given to him a thorn in the flesh. Much speculation on what exactly this thorn is. We could talk after. Was it Paul's physical appearance? Was it his eyesight? Was it his enemies? We don't know exactly. And saints of God, I praise the Lord that we don't know what it is. I thank God that I don't know what Paul's thorn was. And the reason why, saints of God, is because we're so quick to brush off other people's pain. Imagine if we did know what the Apostle Paul's thorn was. We might be tempted to say, oh, is that it, Paul? Is that it? Imagine if we did know what Paul's thorn was. We might be tempted to say, like I am so many times to my young young boys, man up. Brush that off. You'll live. You'll be okay. Saints of God, I can be this way. I'm sure you can be this way. This is why, saints of God, we aren't to judge someone else's praise. This is why, saints of God, when the minister is preaching and someone is amening the minister and what they say, we shouldn't judge their amen because we don't know what thorns they're carrying with them. We don't know what our neighbor next to us is going through. Saints of God, we ought to be slow to judge others. We ought to be slow to judge other people's amens, other people's praise reports. Because we don't know what this other person is going through. And Paul says here, I got a thorn. A thorn, church, not a not a hangnail. A thorn, not a, not a thumbtack. Not the type of thorns that grow on roses. But the word thorn means a sharp stake. It's meant to inflict pain and torture. Now I hear an objection that may arise already. Some smart Christian might say, well, I thought God was a God of love. I thought he was a God of love. How is it that God could give to Paul a thorn from keeping him from boasting? That's not love. How is that? How how is that love giving 
Paul pain. Well, saints of God, my rebuttal to that is, is it not love when a parent keeps his child from hurting himself? Is it not love when you give to your child something to keep your child grounded, knowing, knowing, saints of God, it's it's hurting your child, but at the same time, you know, in the long run, it's going to help your child. That, saints, is the way St. Paul speaks to the storm. The language he uses is quite interesting. He says, he says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Given to me. This word give is, is not the type of give in which if you ask me for something, I just give it to you. No, no, no. It doesn't carry that type of meaning, but rather the word give carries the meaning of gift. Hear me now, or this sermon won't make no sense. The word give means gift. In other words, church, the thorn that God gave to Paul was not a curse. It was a blessing. The thorn that was given to Paul wasn't meant to hurt Paul, but it was meant to grow Paul. The thorns that are given to you, saints of God, are not meant to hurt you. They're meant to grow you. The pain that you have is not meant for you to die. It's meant for you to live in Jesus Christ much stronger. I know. I know. I know it's hard for us to see how pain can bring blessing. How can pain bring blessing? Growing up, one of the things I hated the most was getting a shot. I came from that era in which the schools would actually give the shots. I can remember on a few occasions shedding tears before the doctor would give me the shot. But I can remember one day, I can remember one day, the nurse pulled me aside and, and told me something that eased my pain. She told me that in order for me to grow right, in order for me to be healthy, in order for my body to be all of what is meant to be, this needle must be placed in me. I know it's going to hurt a bit. But this needle is actually for your benefit. This needle is actually for your good because what comes with the needle also comes the medicine. What comes with the needle also comes with the medicine. This is flying over your head. You're going to catch it right now, though. Church, the nurse then didn't know that she was teaching me something about the Christian life and the Christian experience. That when God gives you a thorn, it may hurt. That the thorn may sting. But church, here's the good news about needles and thorns. That thorns never come alone. That thorns are not purposeless. Thorns may be pointy, but they are not pointless. But with the thorn comes the power of God. With the thorn comes the grace of God. With the thorn comes the plan of God for your life to be all of what God intends you and wants you to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. With the thorn comes God shaping you, imaging you, fashioning you after the image of his very son. Your thorns are not purposeless. What you are going through does not, saints of God, have an end point. It does. 
It is to make you like Jesus Christ. And this church is the conclusion that St. Paul comes to at the end of verse 7. He says, I got a thorn. But instead of, of what we might do, instead of cursing God, instead of blaming God, he says toward the end, he says, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul's words here teach us something essential about prayer. Is that prayer always changes things. Don't forget that. Prayer always changes things. But most of the time, the thing that prayer changes is you. Which means, saints of God, prayer doesn't always change our circumstance. But God always, through prayer, changes our character. And congregation, we have to be mature enough Christians to say, Lord, I may not like this thorn. But, but my Jesus didn't like the thorns on his head either. I, I, I may not like the pain. But if I'm going to follow my Savior, I must also follow him up Calvary's hill. If I'm going to cling on and follow the ways of a resurrected Savior, I must also follow the ways and the footsteps of a bloody Savior. Saints of God, we heard from Pastor Antonio a couple of weeks ago about living this interior life. But you cannot live the interior life and you cannot model the exterior life without also living the crucified life. You must live the crucified life as a Christian because you will not enter into glory without first in earth carrying a cross. You must carry your cross, saints of God. And here Paul says that God gave me a thorn so I can crucify my flesh on the death. But as we come to verse 8, Paul says something interesting. He says, he says, Although this thorn was given as a gift, Paul sort of here shows his human side. He says, although God gave this to me to keep me from boasting, he, he says, but that doesn't mean that I can't pray for God to remove it. Although it's a gift doesn't mean that I can't pray for, to God to, to, to remove it from my life. He says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times. That it might leave me. Have you ever prayed this way, saints? Have you ever prayed this way? No, no, no. I'm not talking about those type of prayers where you sit down and you calmly ask the Lord what you need. I'm not talking about that type of prayer. I'm talking about the type of prayer where you plead to the Lord to help you. Because the word pleaded carries that type of force. It's the same word that's frequently used in the Gospels by those who appeal to the Lord to heal them. It's that type of pleading. Here St. Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord like those blind men pleaded with the Lord to heal him. I pleaded with the Lord like all of those lepers and all those sick people who pleaded with Jesus when they knew that Jesus was in town to heal them. I pleaded, like that woman with the issue of blood, pleaded with Jesus to heal. I pleaded three times. I pleaded three times. I know you've been there, church. I know you've pleaded more than three times. And I know you've been here also. And God says no. God says, no. God says, I'm not going to take it away. When God says, no, Paul, 
actually that thorn is sticking by your side. Actually, no, Paul, that's, that thorn is going to stick with you for a little bit longer. You've been there? You've been there, church? Verse 8 is hard for us Christians to read. It's hard for us. But this is the reality of prayer, but also this is the reality of being a Christian. This is the reality of saying, whatever thou, whatever you want, let your will be done. It's hard for us to say, let your will be done when God says no. No, God, I'm your child. No, you're not going to take it away. Saints of God, verse 8 is hard because it teaches us in prayer this thing, that God always gives us an answer in prayer. But it also teaches us that God has more answers than yes. That God has more answers than yes in prayer. But there are times when God says no to our prayers. When you come to a traffic light, Sometimes it's green, which means it's okay for you to move through traffic. Sometimes it's yellow, which means to slow down. But sometimes it's red, which means you got to stop. Sometimes, church, God green lights our prayers. He says, you prayed for something, and that is within line with my will, and I will give it to you. Sometimes God yellow lights our prayers, which means I'm going to give it to you, but you got to wait. But then sometimes God red lights our prayers. He says, no, I'm not going to give it to you. We love the green lights when we drive, do we not? We abuse those yellow lights. Do we not? But it's those red lights. Especially when we're in a hurry. Especially when we want something. It's those red lights that bug us. But church, can I tell you why we have red lights? Can I tell you why? We have red lights for our good. We have red lights because there's a traffic control signal. That's reading traffic. And it's reading traffic and it realizes that if you don't stop, there's some cross traffic coming. And if you don't stop, you're going to get into an accident. Something's going to bad is going to happen to you. Church, I'm here to tell you today that if a traffic control signal has enough technology built inside of it to give you a red light that keeps you from danger. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God who sees what we don't see. We serve a God who knows us better than we know ourselves. And sometimes God red lights our prayers because if he says yes, we're going to get into an accident. Sometimes God red lights our prayers because if he says yes, there's some cross traffic that's going to destroy us. I know this to be true, saints. This is why God will never make me a millionaire. Because I'll go in debt with just $100. This is why God will not give me my dream car, a Ferrari. Because the moment I step on the highway, I'm for sure going to die. 
This is why, saints of God, when God red lights our prayers, we don't run the red lights. But we say, Lord, let your will be done. Saints of God, I've been in church for a long time. And I've seen men come to church, be consistent, pray for a better job that was out of town, only to receive that job that they prayed for that was out of town. I told them not to go and take that job. Don't take that job. They did not take heed of my counsel. They take the job, and what happens? They're no longer in church. I've seen it, saints of God. I've seen people's spiritual life go down the drain because they were in a hurry and they ran the red light. It happens all the time. All the time. And church, if you could be honest with yourself, if you can look back for a second at your prayer log, you can thank God that he red lighted your prayer request. If you can look back at your prayer log, you can thank the Lord that he did not give you what you asked for. And this, saints, is how we must see unanswered prayer. That God's no's are just as good as God's yes. God's no's, God's red lights are just as good as his green lights. To tell you the truth, saints, I don't know why God doesn't give us everything we desire. But maybe in Paul's answer, we have a clue. Maybe God doesn't bless us with some things because if he does, he knows he'll never see us in church again. Maybe God doesn't bless us, saints of God, with some things because he knows that we'll stop getting on our knees to pray to him. Maybe he knows, saints of God, that our spiritual life will go down the drain if he gave us every single thing that we asked for. Because, saints of God, prayer is not meant for us just to ask of God what we need, but rather... Prayer is meant to teach us to depend on God for everything we need. I sometimes look at my boys, Malachi and Owen, and I say to myself, one day they're going to leave me. They're going to leave me. And they're going to leave me not because they don't love me, but they're going to leave me because they're no longer dependent upon me. They're going to leave me because they don't need me anymore to make them food. They're going to want their own freedom, their own spot. Church, that sad day has already begun. It's already begun. You know this as a parent. When you have young ones, the moment they say, no, mommy and daddy, I'll do it. No, mommy and daddy, I got it. Uh, My son Owen doesn't want me to do anything for him. My son Malachi gets mad at my wife when my wife wants to get him out of the car. I know this to be true. We are people that want to be independent, but church of God, here's some news for you. God has no grown children. God has no grown children. I don't care if you've been in the faith for over 50 years. God will not let you become independent of him. You will always be dependent upon the Lord. And God gives us things, saints of God, whether you like it or not, that keeps you dependent upon him, that keeps you on your knees until your knees are red. Because that's what the Christian life is. It's depending on God for all and everything that we need. This is why we see in Paul's request, or rather, this is what we see in Paul's request of the thorn to be removed. Paul says he's been praying. He's been praying three times and and God 
does not answer his prayer for removal, but here, here is where things start to turn. Here is where we get to, we get to say amen. Here is where we get to praise the Lord because because in light of Paul's pleading three times, in light of Paul's pain, in light of Paul's thorn, verse 9, he says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Now, we can amen that. But take off your Christian hat for a second. Put yourself in Paul's shoes. Put yourself in Paul's shoes. Put yourself in a thorn that's meant to hurt. Put yourself in the shoes of a man who's been pleading. Who wakes up, the thorn's still there. Midday, the thorn is still there. At nighttime, he checks his side, the thorn is still there. Wakes up, the thorn is still there. And the answer he gets from God is my grace is sufficient for you. That's the answer you're giving me, Lord. In light of my pain, you know my pain. You, you're giving me my grace is sufficient for you. I don't know about you, church. But when I'm injured, when something in my body is hurting, I don't need something sufficient. I don't want something sufficient. I want something that says on the box, extra strength. I want something that says on the box, rapid gel that gets into your body the moment you take it. I want that. In fact, when I'm sick, many of you probably have been there, I'm known to be at the medicine aisle for over an hour. Comparing ingredients to see which one is the best. Because church, I don't want something that's sufficient. I want something that's super abundant. But church, can I tell you some good news? God's words to Paul in his suffering is God's words to you, saints of God. Paul writes these words for the church and not merely just for himself. That when you're in some hurt... When it's time for you to have a thorn, when it's time for you to have some pain, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And here, saints of God, is the great news. It's because this may not be the medicine that you wanted, but it is, in fact, the medicine that you're only and all going to need. This, saints of God, tells us the power of God, the power of God in God's grace. Because, church, there's more sufficiency in God's grace than there is superabundance in all of the world's medicine. There is more strength in God's grace than there is in extra strength Tylenol. There is more power in God's grace than there is in codeine, oxy, ibuprofen 800, anything you can think of. And here God says to Paul, I'm not going to give you something that takes your pain away. But rather, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you my grace to endure the pain that you're already in. Saints of God, sometimes we don't need God to answer our prayers. We need God to help us endure what we need, what we are in. And church, this is why St. Paul can say next, because God gives him his grace, 
Because God gives him this supernatural power to endure the thorn. This is why he says, most gladly, most gladly then, therefore I rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I delight in weaknesses, insults, distress, persecution, difficulties in behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because God gives me grace, not what the world gives, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, to ease and deal with their thorns. He gives me grace. He says, then I gladly, I'll gladly boast in my weaknesses. Because when I am weak, someone shows himself off. When I am weak, that's when the Savior starts revealing himself more out of me. The reality, saints of God, that these verse teaches us is that the presence of pain is not the loss of grace. The presence of pain is not the loss of grace. And the reality of weakness is not the absence of God's strength. You must know that, Christian, because life is coming. And life might already arrive at your doorstep. And here, saints of God, is some good news for you to live by. This verse teaches us that when the burdens of life get too heavy, we got a Savior who says, come to me and I will give you rest. When the pressures and tolls of life are making you weak, we got a Savior who says, come to me, child. I'll give you some strength. This is why church, as Pastor Antonio preached so wonderfully and beautifully last Sunday morning, this is why we don't shrink back. This is why we don't shrink back, saints of God. Church, we don't shrink back because we got a God who's got our back. This is why we don't shrink back, saints of God, because when our backs are against the wall, we don't have to worry because we got someone holding the wall. This is why we don't shrink back, saints of God, because when we hit rock bottom, there's a rock waiting for us at the bottom. Saints of God, the summary of this sermon is simple. Very, very simple. When God doesn't answer your prayers, never fear. Never fear. For his grace is sufficient for you. Amen. And this is why we can say, Lord, whatever my lot, it is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. Saints of God, be of good cheer this morning. Be of mighty cheer this morning. Let's pray.